helpful for sellers to, to go for a merger where they know that uh, the entire entity can be conveyed to a buyer simply by uh, a majority vote or a supermajority vote of one or multiple classes of shares. Uh, so, so a merger is really the quickest and easiest way of, of doing a merger uh, to convey an entity. Um, so that's uh, structure. Next is uh, purchase price. Um, you know, you 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 want to be really clear uh, if you're a seller that you're not going to be uh, subject to a holdback uh, or an escrow in an amount larger than uh, than is agreed. So that's a key term to negotiate uh, in the term sheet. And and with the advent of rep and warranty insurance and externalizing uh, the security for breaches of reps and warranties, um, we're seeing that holdbacks and escrows are really dropping dramatically. And the typical holdback and escrow in a rep and warranty deal is just 1%. So the, uh, the, the seller, pardon me, the buyer will hold back 1% of the purchase price, uh, which will be in jeopardy if, uh, if there's a breach of rep and warranty. And, and so there's skin in the game. And then anything above that up to a cap is assumed by the, the insurance company uh, subject to whatever um, exclusion. So those are the, uh, the holdbacks and escrows. And then finally, earnouts. And um, since I've talked too much, uh, Brian, uh, you're an expert in, in earnouts. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, you uh, have, have mastered, I don't know how many dozens of those in, in all the acquisitions that, that you've done. And, and um, what are the key terms in, in, in laying out an earnout? And are you seeing more or less earnouts in the world uh, post-pandemic? Um, yeah, earnouts are challenging. Uh, so an earnout for people who aren't familiar, an earnout is basically where you say some portion of the purchase price, we really can't agree on it now, where we're at in terms of what's the total value to be delivered. And what we, the buyer, want to see is some form of performance over time to allow you, the seller, to reach a certain level um, of purchase price. And um, so this is a way for a buyer to get more comfort in terms of delivering 100% of the purchase price that they're really getting what they paid for. Um, and sometimes it's a way for a seller to get more money than they might have gotten at closing just based on a, a cash deal up front. Um, so the trick for earnout is getting people to agree on how you measure performance and how the sellers will have enough control after closing to make sure that they're comfortable that they can deliver performance. And that is usually 95% of the argument around an earnout is gonna be in the operating covenants post-closing. Uh, the purchase agreement has to have some language that says, here's what you, the sellers and the employees have to do to get the additional purchase price. And the sellers have to know that they have enough operating control to deliver. And the problem with most companies is, um, there's a lot of rules to managing a company and you have accounting roles and legal roles and you have management. And if you're a public company, you have public disclosures. So you can't just have employees out there kind of making their own decisions at every turn with their goal of always delivering hundred percent financial performance on their own operating uh, conditions post-closing or their earnout that may actually be in conflict with how the company is run what the company has to deliver uh, in the public markets, for example. So um, earnouts are a struggle. Uh, earnouts, keep in mind, don't always have to be based on financial performance. And, and this is where I've seen a lot of interesting and creative uh, earnouts, particularly in my, my old days at CBRE, which and what we did was we went out and bought companies that were all about people. 
And so what you're really trying to make sure is, are the people going to be there for some period of time? So you can come up with interesting and creative formulas that, um, that where the earnout is really built around the performance of groups of people uh, within that seller group over time um, and gives you comfort that financial performance is there, but also that people are still there uh, without actually hurting how the accounting or how the transaction is accounted for. If I can add a little bit on mechanics, sorry, uh, on that, um, you know, there, there's two ways to look at it. Yes, uh, one thing is to retain a team, especially if you're looking at aqua hires, that's the whole point. Um, and there needs to be a set of incentives put in place long-term to keep those people happy and engaged um, in the company for the, you know, at least several years to come. The other part of it that I've seen uh, in some cases is uh, tying a big chunk of the purchase price as an earnout tied to sales performance. So if you go in, to a deal and you're an overly optimistic startup and you're saying, well, here's our vector, here's how much we're gonna you know, 10X next year in mm -hmm. our sales, then I say, great, show me 10X and I'll pay you the full price. You've, you've kind of trapped yourself. Um, so you wanna be a little bit modest in your projections and make sure you're gonna hit those and make sure you have the resources from the buyer, you know, marketing budget or what, what have you, to be able to get there or customer acquisition to be more specific. Uh, the other part of it is that uh, when you're a seller and you're negotiating that earnout based on sales performance, you also want to have some variability. So if you outperform your plan, you get a little bit of a bonus on top, right? It's not that you're just shooting uh, to get what you in your mind already gotten out of the deal and you have to hit those numbers. But if you outperform, there's some motivation and your buyer will be happy to pay that anyway. Great, great point. Um, Natasha, I want to bring you into this. Um, yeah. In your experience, who typically pays for rep and warranty insurance? Is it buyer or seller or does it just come out of the deal price, which essentially means it's the seller? Uh, we had a talk on this before and I think the insurance person had said that typically it's the buyer. Uh, sometimes it's split between buyer and seller. Um, but, uh, and in our current transaction, it's, it's going to in a couple of transactions that I've worked on, it was the buyer who paid for the warranty. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think it's really the buyer that's contracting, but uh, and is the counterparty with the uh, the insurance uh, provider. But it, but the, the 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 dollars are coming out of the the enterprise value of the company, and so essentially that means the seller is paying. Although, you know, we do see a lot of situations where um, sellers come in and, and in the background want to insure a, a specific risk without even uh, telling the buyer or, or maybe they do. And, and sometimes uh, the buyer is going to come in and, and buy a specific policy against a, a specific risk. Um, but yeah. Of course, as, as Patrick Stroth from Rubicon reminded us last week, you know, no, known risks uh, or, or known liabilities are, are not typically insurable. Those are usually excluded. Um, um, another question for you, Natasha, you know, what are you seeing in terms of uh, just typical holdbacks and escrows uh, in the post-COVID environment? Are you seeing a radical shift away from kind of the 10 to 20% bogey or, or, or are you seeing uh, it, it shift towards the 20% the end or, or are you seeing it sub 10 single digits? Uh, I'd say not definitely going single digits. I think it's staying within the 10 to sometimes 20%. It just depends on obviously after diligence and you see what exposures are out there. Um, but seeing more push towards holdbacks as opposed to escrow. So holdbacks are where the companies actually keep the funds as opposed to using a third party. 
Um, obviously for seller, you prefer a third party holding the cash as opposed to the buyer. And as a buyer, you prefer to hold the cash time value of money. So you can invest it uh, while you're waiting for a period of time. Um, but uh, that's typically what I've been seeing. Yeah. I mean, for buyers and sellers out there, I think insurance is the way to go, you know, almost all of the time. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, the only reason not to go with insurance if you're if you're a buyer is is to really, as to Brian's point, you know, hold the the seller's feet to the fire that that uh, that they stick around uh, to make sure that they themselves are mitigating risks and making sure that the business uh, is uh, is performing. But in, in just about every other circumstance, it's it's just infinitely better to outsource that risk to a third party. Um, acquisitions, especially in, in technology, are of intellectual property and people. And so the people are, are typically the sellers. They're, they've become your employer, employees. And so uh, making a claim against your own employees is you know, the worst thing you ever want to do and, and the worst way to incentivize them. So if you can uh, externalize that to a third party, uh, you know, that's, that's always easiest. And um, whereas it used to be that transactions below $150 million were not insurable, we've, we've now seen that... Uh, um, insurance is available in, in the in the lower middle market, and and that's really been the great advent of of this year. Um, there's another great question about um, how earnouts have changed in a in a post COVID world, and um, whether or not the earnout can get you back to your pre COVID valuation. And and I would say the answer to that is totally not. Um, I'm seeing that you know, buyers are demanding, uh, a, you know, a, a very significant cut to pre-COVID valuation as a condition in discussing a transaction. Um, I've, I've seen uh, transactions where there was a pre-COVID uh, term sheet and the sellers came back post-COVID and renegotiated the, the price. And I think that's been pretty, uh, pretty standard. And I don't think an earnout uh, gets you back to a pre-COVID price that begs the question why and, and i think the why is that 